I wonder if we ate milkweed, if we would turn to gold. We'd probably just Never going to find I, out. I think milkweed is slightly poisonous. Yeah, <laughs> something that humans should not consume. Right. <laughs> Don't try this at home, folks. Don't try this at home. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 14 of season two, and we're calling this one, What You Been Up To? Hello, my name's Winnie, and that was my husband, Bill, and we are the co-owners of Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography. The way we like to do our podcast is we will post nine photos to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And we'll talk about the pictures, the backstory, what went into the making the picture sometimes, whatever comes up. So if you want to follow along as you listen, you can check those pictures out or check them out later on. So before we get going, I want to thank Anchor Podcasting. Anchor is a free uh, podcast platform you can access from the internet or from an app on your smartphone. It's uh, pretty easy to use. We can do it. You can do it too. So thanks, Anchor. Thank you, Anchor. And also a shout out to our son, um, Andy, Outdoor Andy TV on Twitch and Instagram for hooking us up with our good sound system. Thanks, Andy. So we, what are we calling this week's podcast, Bill? What you been up to? What have you been up to? Also, before we get going. We promised we would start every podcast this season with a um, positive quote or an inspirational message. Um, and our quote today is, the caterpillar does all of the work, but the butterfly gets all of the publicity. And that's from George Carlin. George knows what he's talking about. George knew what he was talking about. <laughs> so. Um, our pictures today are going to be all a little bit mishmash of things that we've done in the past two weeks since our last podcast. We've been busy. Yes, we have. I actually had to go back in the calendar and look at each day to remember all of the things that we've done because we, we've been so busy. So um, do you want to get started with our first picture, Bill? Sure. Why not? What do you see? My computer doesn't want to open, but, oh, yes. So we've got a new um, thing to do at Park of the Pines. Um, we bought nine baskets for a disc golf course, and this is a picture of one of the young girls that was at one of our day camps that was happy that she got a, her disc into the goal, finally. <laughs> okay. So when you say we bought, Park of the Pines yes. bought. Actually, the camping program itself bought nine, I think you call them cages or baskets. Yep. For uh, a nine-hole disc golf course here at Park of the Pines, where Bill and I live and work. And um, this year, instead of having overnight camps, we just had some day camps because of COVID. And uh, we started our last two weeks with the junior and senior high day camp. And they were the first group that we're able to try out the new disc golf course. And I wasn't sure I've never played disc golf. Have you? Nope. Me either. And did you, I didn't feel like I was really that interested in it. Were you? Nope. And um, so I, when I saw that they had disc golf on their schedule, which as they should have, I thought that maybe some kids would want to sit out or they wouldn't be that enthusiastic about trying it out. But, Every single kid that was here played and had a ball. They all tried and it seemed like they all did. I know enjoy some it. of the kids that I thought in particular um, wouldn't be crazy about it were quite crazy about it and yeah. just having a ball. Of course, get a group 
of kids together that age and they just want to be together and right and they're all just and after, being goofy together so and after a year of covid they are just happy to be able to be together and yeah. be outside and have some fun but i actually you and i got cameras and we kind of followed along and got pictures I don't usually like to post pictures of campers. I don't feel that that's really my right. So you see, I cleverly camouflage this young lady's emoji face. Emoji happy face on top. She has an emoji happy face with a pair of sunglasses. Nice glasses too. <laughs> but the gal in the background is our friend. Alicia. Yes. And Alicia just recently told me that she likes to listen to our podcast. So thank you, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. Um, and she just, she's really a great counselor at camp. She just gets in there with the kids and she acts as goofy as they do. So it was a good time. One thing I want you to notice about this picture, this girl is showing quite enthusiast, quite a lot of enthusiasm for getting her disc into the basket. Yes. And she's must be two feet at the best. (laughs) So, yeah, I went through all of my pictures trying to find a picture that would not only, I have a lot of pictures of kids, um, throwing their discs. And there, a lot of them are really expressive and really good pictures, but they didn't show the baskets right? or cages. I wish I knew what the right term was. I think baskets is what they call them. I think cages. Well, then you're probably. I think we're going to have to look thinking, it up. You're thinking too much about it. <laughs> thinking too much. Have you ever yeah. known me to think too much? Yeah, probably. Every uh, day. No comment. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so this was a picture that showed both the enthusiasm of the players and one of the baskets slash cages. Yeah. So um, senior junior high camp day was great. Yep. Um, It was a beautiful sunny day. Kids arrived in the morning and after breakfast and they spent most of the day had lunch and dinner at the park and it was supposed to be the best of the best or pick out the best things we do in a week-long camp and cram them into one day. And they really did. They were going every minute. Yeah, they they did not have any downtime. It was a beautiful day. It was hot, but not muggy. It was hot enough that every single kid got into the lake at swim time and swam for two hours. Yeah, that Um, doesn't happen all the time either. But Yeah, usually you have a few kids that just want to sit on the beach and don't really want to get in the water and get wet and but there was not one kid on the beach right nope everybody participated in pretty much everything yeah. so it was a good day all the way around they did tie-dye they did um disc golf they did um oh my goodness they, i know that they did a photo scavenger hunt they did um two meals they did a campfire they did a um meditation walk at the end of the day they you know i think some of the things they had on their schedule they actually had to let go because they just didn't have enough time they ran out of time i know they were planning to do like s'mores after dinner and and they just i think they omitted that because there just wasn't enough time but um everybody had a good time and, you know, normally when we talk about our, our camps, we talk about how when the kids come in the first day, some of them are shy. Some of them don't know anybody. Some of them, they don't really want to be here. Their parents are making them be here. And by, you know, they come in on Sunday and by Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, they've all loosened up and made friends. And by the end of the week, they don't want to go home. Um, so I was a little nervous on a one day event, how that would work. And it really was like a week crammed into one day because there were some kids that came that didn't really want to be there. And their parents kind of took me aside and, you know, so-and-so is just really nervous. She doesn't know anybody or whatever. And by the end of the day, they were all having a good time. They were all kind of paired up with friends. and Right, right. Well, the staff did a pretty good job of uh, actually um, one of the first things they did was the disc golf and they purposely... um, had uh, because it was junior high age kids and senior high age kids, they they split them all up into different groups so that nobody felt like they were not belonging. So they all got to new know new people and um, kind of avoided some of the clicks that sometimes can happen right off the bat. So that was good. Yeah, that was a good day. I was exhausted by the end of the day. I don't know. I bet all the staff were. Yeah, I'm sure because it was a lot of running around. They um, they used 
almost the entire grounds. They were up on the upper terrace. They were on the middle terrace. They were down in the lake. Um, they kept the kids busy and I could, I just couldn't have been more pleased with how all of that turned out. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's move to our next picture. All right. So the next picture is uh, a weird looking chicken. <laughs> it's a loon. So the day after um, the day, the day youth camp, uh, you and I decided to completely take a day off and well, did you work that day? You probably did work that day. Yep. So we didn't completely take, you had to work in the bakery, but when you got home, we got in the car and we took a drive to the UP and went to the Sini Wildlife Refuge. Now on our last podcast, if you'll remember, Bill, we were going to go to Sini, but we ended up only going as far as. Oh yeah. Because of the bugs. No, no, because we, we, we only went as far as the coneflower field, which what did I tell you that town was originally called Kenneth? Kenneth, yeah. Um, That's right, because we had to come back. Because home. we were going to get the disc golf delivered right. that night. So right. we had to hurry back to the park. So right. we did not go to Sini. So this day we decided we would go to Sini because we'd missed out on it the week before. And when we go to Sini, we're looking for loons. Yep, generally that's that's the big thing to see. We've been to Sini a few times this year. And what do you think the loon situation is, Bill? There's not a whole lot of them there. Um, apparently, nesting didn't go well at all this year. I'm not sure exactly why, but have we seen any? We haven't seen any babies at yeah, all no, at the loons. Before we actually got to the refuge. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah, a yeah. little, by Germfast, there's a little place that you drive over a lake. Yep. I'm at, at Sea Wildlife yeah. Refuge. I mean, but this is the only place we've seen any juveniles at all. But we did see a loon with two juveniles. Yep. Two juveniles. Yep. Um, and we did pull over on the highway and try to get some photos, but we didn't get anything great. Um, so in the in the wildlife refuge, not only have we not seen any babies this year, we haven't seen that many loons. No, last year we saw quite a few. Not a lot of little ones last year either, but quite a few loons. And then this year we've only seen uh, two or three pair. Yeah. I, you know, the, I follow someone who goes to the Sini Wildlife Refuge more often than we do. And I think she has seen her fair share of loons this year, but I have not seen any baby loon pictures in on her site. Um I know that last year, a lot of the nests failed because of high water. Yeah, last year, everything was just flooded. It was crazy yeah. how high the there water was. There wasn't a lot of the... Loons are very particular where they have their nests because yep. they can't walk on dry land. Right. Their legs are located further back on their bodies because they're in the water most of the time. And that gives them... And they dive. It gives them better propulsion. Yeah, they... They're diving bird. They they dive. They swim underwater for long periods of time. But if they try to walk on land, their front chest area just falls to the ground. Yeah, their center of gravity is way off. Yeah. So they nest on marshy bog-like pieces of land where they can swim right up and just plop onto a nest. Right. But right. when they do that, I think if the water level changes at all, the nest can get swamped out. <laughs> Fall right. apart, whatever. Yep. They get a lot of rain this year. I wonder if that was the problem. It or... could be. They, they might have got too wet again. But um, so while we were at Sini, we did see some, some loons. And you actually got out of the car and kind of crept down to the shoreline where you got some. And this loon seemed to be interested in you, don't you think? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes loons are curious about people. Um, sometimes they just don't want anything to do with them, but sometimes they will just come creeping up to you just to see what you're doing. I, I mean, and, that's the way it feels anyways. We yeah. have had a few experiences where we could go sit on the shoreline and just wait. And the loon will kind of, boy, last year we there was one loon that would just swim right up right to, to you. you. Yeah. Like to the point where our our big zoom lens was too much lens for the, yeah, it would be too close. It was you couldn't crazy, fit the whole bird into the picture because he was far too close right. to us. And that was him coming to us. Right. 
So this pair of loons, when we pulled up here, was quite far out into this flooding and uh, probably too far for any kind of a decent picture. But you thought you would get out of the car and go, I'm just going to go down to the water's edge. And I probably rolled my eyes in the car like, what's the point? Right. But I was amazed when I was sitting in the car watching and you were down there. He got closer and he got closer and he got closer. Yeah, he did. He never gave, he never, um, I, I love it when they come up facing you, but this guy never did come up facing me. He always came up out of the water when he was, um, side, side view maybe, or, or away, away from me. But, uh, this, I mean, you got a string of nice pictures. So this one, um, I believe they call it preening when they, you know, kind of clean themselves in the water and then they'll shoot themselves up and shake all the water off. And um, so this is a picture in a series where he was doing that. Yep. And in this picture, you can see he's, um, and the only way I cropped this picture was to make it square. I didn't zoom in anymore in, in post-production, but um, his wings are outstretched and his beak is tilted up a little bit. You can see his eye. Loon's eyes are just so... They have alien red eyes. Their eyes are blood red. Yep. Yep. Um, you can see his eye pretty good in this picture and all of the markings, his black and white markings. And you can see the bits of water on him. In some of the pictures in this series, you can see the water actually spraying off of him yeah one thing of loons that are have are really heavily oiled so that the water typically just runs right off of them all the time so but uh, after he got a good look at you and gave you a little show he just yep went right he back. was fishing so he was just um in the area i should say you can see are those um water lilies yeah in the water there was lily by pads by where he was at yep no flowers on no them. No flowers, but there were flowers around, just not in this particular shot. They, uh, they are in. They're probably beyond bloom now. You know, um, we did go to the Senior Wildlife Refuge again this week for a little drive, and um, I noticed that there are water lily flowers. They must open early in the day, and then kind of close up. They do because we were there about three or four o'clock. And they start to close up and they again. were closed because I really wanted to get a photo of lady of the lily water lilies to um, maybe paint a picture of. Mm -hmm. But I didn't find any scene that looked like how I wanted we'll it have to, to go look. there like at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's maybe even the, earlier, the most wide open, maybe this weekend, maybe get up before the sun comes up and get up there when it's nice and early. Might. Might see loons better that way too. I know you would like that. Yeah. <laughs> if you would let me sleep in the car on the way up there, I'd be fine with it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go to this next picture. I know you were pretty enthusiastic about this one. <laughs> oh, this this next picture, yeah. Why don't you describe what it is? This was a picture you took. This is well, I was taking pictures of some butterflies that were on milkweed plant, and all of a sudden these crazy neon colored bugs caught my eye. And so I swung around, took a picture of the two uh, wrestling. <laughs> um, seemed to be love in the air that, that day. And uh, these, I don't know what these beetles are. I know what they are. I looked it up. You probably did your research. I did a little research. They're called Dag Bane. Dagbane leaf beetles. Dagbane. I don't know what dagbane is, but it's some kind of a, a plant that these uh, beetles normally live on. So okay. when I first, I, what I did was I did an internet search to find this beetle. And like Bill said, they're neon. They look metallic. They look like they're made out of metal. Yeah. The uh, beetles in this picture are on a milkweed leaf. They're doing the deed. They are metallic green red purple yellow kind of coppery looking they're really pretty they are um so i thought well it can't be a dagbane leaf beetle because the, the foliage they you know they live on is dagbane we don't have that around here i don't think but then it said and sometimes they feed on milkweed ah, so cool. definitely this is what they are they were on milkweed yep so the 
stagbane leaf beetle, they reproduce every day. What? Yeah, every single so... day. And their um, copulation activity can last for an hour and a half because the male, first of all, he finds the fittest female to mate with. La di da. I guess that the dagbane leaf beetles are not known for their fitness. And so the male will find the healthiest female to mate with, regardless of his health, because <laughs> the female, it, it, whatever they reproduce, will get the female's health versus the male's health, which I think is interesting. Okay. And um, their actual copulation might not last that long, but the male will stay on the female's back for an hour and a half to hold her in place so that A, no other male can mate with her. And B, it gives a chance for germination to take place. Sure, so he just holds that's a good there. story. That seems so mean. No wonder she doesn't <laughs> have the best of shape. Yeah, no wonder she's not in the best of health. <laughs> Dang beetle. So when the female lay their eggs, and they lay their eggs on the underneath side of the leaf. Now we're learning that a lot of uh, insects do that on the underneath side of leaves. Yep. Leaves. Um. So when she lays her eggs, she surrounds it with um, feces. She covers it with feces and that protects the egg from being eaten or whatever. Okay. And when it hatches, it eats its way out of the poop. Yum. Yeah. So um, they rep reproduce every single day. So she lays an egg every day. For whatever their period of time is that they're. I wonder how long they're. I don't know. Or, yeah. Well, it says that I they can live for matter. 40 to 60 days. Mm. So, yeah, we've, and we saw a few of these dagbane leaf beetles at the lavender farm too. Yeah, we did. That's why I wonder what, why are they there? Uh, well, and yeah, that is interesting that they'd be at the lavender farm because. It's not dagbane leaves. We're going to find that they're an invasive there. species. In a I mean, there of is years. milkweed around the lavender there is. farm. Yep. And there, yeah, because there's monarchs around the yeah. lavender farm too. In so. the wild areas around the farm, there's lots of milkweed. Right. But um, according to my research, they actually live out their lives on one plant hmm. unless they completely deplete that plant and then they might move to another plant. Okay. But they don't, you know, they're not in the air, you know, flying around, taking in a lot of territory. Anyways, mm -hmm. everything you'd never wanted to know about the Dagbane leaf beetle. There it is. <laughs> Other than the fact that they're really kind of pretty. They are pretty. I don't think I'd want one crawling on me, mind no, you. No, they're They're pretty in their own space. They're, they're really unique color. That I mean, I... Yep. When you were taking the picture and you were using our macro lens that we call Kevin, and why do we call it Kevin? Because a friend named Kevin sold it to us. Yes. And we love that lens. But when you got Kevin out of the car and you went over and started taking pictures of these beetles, once again, I probably rolled my eyes thinking, what a waste of time. Who cares about beetles? But when you showed me the pictures, I yeah, that's pretty sweet. What would you do with a picture like this? Should we blow it up and put it in the bedroom? I don't know. We'll put it in the bedroom. <laughs> All right. Let's go to our next picture. If we ever have an art exhibit that's about color, we should put oh, it in there. Oh, there you go. That. That's a good idea. Wait. That's what we'll do. That's what I bet, we'll do. You know what? It'd be really cool on a metal print. It would be so awesome on a metal print. Yeah. Because if you can really zoom in on it, you can tell it's very metallic looking. So metallic. Like, they are, yeah. I mean, the picture is pretty close up, but I'm zooming in right now. Oh, yeah. Because they have, like, a texture to their yeah. armor, too, eh? Yep. Yep. Hmm. All right. Let's move on to other things. Okay. Hmm. This next one's pretty cool. All right. Tell me what you're seeing. This is a monarch butterfly caterpillar. And he was mowing down on this milkweed when we came across him. This day, um, we we must have found a hundred of these things. They were they were hatched and they were eaten away like crazy. We noticed. I mean, we were hoping to see monarchs. Really, the reason we go to Sini is we want to see the loons. 
Right. But right away, we were impressed with how many monarch butterflies were flying around. And yeah. so we were we were stopping every few feet to take pictures of monarchs on purple flowers and monarchs in the green foliage and monarchs, you know, flying in the air with the blue sky behind them. And, and then we I we started to pay close attention to the milkweed to see if we could maybe find a caterpillar. Well, we found hundreds of caterpillars. Yes. Like I say, they were all over the place. And all sizes. All sizes. Yeah. There yeah. was everything. This was a fairly big one as far as this. This is a nice big caterpillar. This guy was probably getting ready to, to become something else. But I, you know, I, I normally hate anything that's wormy or, you know, caterpillars yeah, are creepy. gross. The monarch caterpillars are really pretty. They have that white, black, and yellow stripes. Yep. And um, the only thing they're interested in doing is eating. Yeah, that's all they're supposed to be doing. And boy, can they eat. <laughs> they mow on this. I mean, it's funny to watch. We did actually shoot a video of, at one point of one that was just devouring a milkweed. Like a typewriter. Yeah. Just, just, just doing a line right and then chewing line. back and then chewing yep. all the way back again. And, yep. chewing. and even when we got our camera right in his nose. They didn't care. No, I think they kind of looked up for a second, but it was like, Leave me alone. I'm eating. Yep. So we saw a lot of um, caterpillars. Yep. And as we usually do, we thought, what else? Wonder if we could find. Yeah. If there's other this, things if, about I the said monarch. to you, I think oh. if there's this many caterpillars around, there's got to be a chrysalid. I'd love to see a chrysalid in the wild. Now, when our kids were little, we used to go out and find monarch caterpillars and we would put them in a terrarium and we would feed them milkweed, fresh milkweed every day. And we would watch the process of the caterpillar getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when they get to a certain point, they spin a little silk um, that they attach themselves to a leaf and they, leaf and they hang. In a cocoon. Well, they first they hang as a as the caterpillar in right. a, in a right. sort of like a J. They kind of curl right. up like a J, and they hang. I don't remember for how long, a day or two. A day, and then, anyways. And then all of a the sudden they will spin, and it's so fantastic to watch. They the skin like peels off of them and turns inside out, mm -hmm. and it turns into a chrysalid. And so I was super interested to see if we could actually find a chrysalid in the wild. I've never seen one in the wild and we've been through a lot of milkweed looking for caterpillars when the kids were little, but never came across a chrysalid. So we started looking and we looked and we looked and we finally, if you go to the next picture, there yeah. it was. You found it. You found a milkweed that was pretty stripped of leaves, except for a few leaves at the bottom of the stalk. Yeah, there wasn't hardly anything left on that particular plant. And on the underside of one of the really big leaves, sure enough, here it was. So um, I, we were so excited. I think people listening are going to think that we're crazy to get so excited about butterf monarch butterflies and chrysalids. And, but... Um, I don't know. It's fascinating. It's fascinating what a cater, the metamorphosis of a monarch or butterflies in general is fascinating. And to see it all happen in the wild, not under in a zoo or under a controlled circumstance, I just was pretty excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we had Kevin and um, our lens, Kevin, and you and I laid on the dirt on the road, because this milkweed was on the side of the dirt road. Yeah, it was. And we took turns taking pictures from different angles. Yeah. So in this picture, you can see the, the chrysalid. Monarch um, butterfly chrysalids are so beautiful. And if you get a chance, and I hope you do this week in particular, look at these pictures. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about. The chrysalid is... Um, this one looks like it's been there a while. Usually they start out kind of a bright green. Yeah. They um, fade a little bit as the butterfly gets ready to hatch. They actually get but... pretty clear by the time it, it comes out of the chrysalid and you can see the butterfly inside. If you look closely at this picture, 
you can see the details of the monarch butterfly wing. Yep. Through the on the left hand side bit. of the chrysalid, you can see his wing developing there. Yeah. yeah. But also the thing I found so amazing is these gold marks on the chrysalid. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I remember when we were raising butterflies when the kids were little, these gold marks show up right away. As soon as that caterpillar turns itself inside out and turns into a chrysalid, these gold, there's a gold striped line across the top. And yep. then there are little gold dots along the bottom. Yep. And they look as gold as gold can be. Very metallic. Yep. Very distinctly part so, of the monarchs. Um, I looked it up today. What causes that? And it says that um, the gold spots are due to carotenoid pigments from the milkweed diet. Oh. I wonder if we ate milkweed, if we would turn to gold. We'd probably just Never die. gonna find I, out. I think milkweed is slightly poisonous. Yeah, so. <laughs> something that humans should not consume. Right. <laughs> Don't try this at home, folks. Don't try this at home. What a gorgeous picture, though. And we got a whole bunch because we laid on the ground and took pictures from low, below, high, above, from yep. the side, from the other side, from the. And you can tell how zoomed in we are because you can see the leaf in very, very detailed. Yeah. So while we're taking these pictures, you said to me. I said, if there's a chrysalid and there's this many caterpillars and we saw caterpillars from like a millimeter long to the big fatty, like we had yeah. a picture of. First. Yeah, that was probably four inches long. Yeah. That's you crazy. know what? Um, I just read this is something I thought I knew everything there was to know about monarchs. But did you know that caterpillars shed or actually burst out of their skin five times? Wow. Before they turn into a chrysalid. Hmm. I I don't eat know themselves. what I, I guess I just thought that the skin grew with them. They eat themselves out of house and home. Well, sure apparently. Do. Well, actually, it said that they'll burst out of, of their skin. And depending on the time of year and the temperatures, sometimes that five times can happen in one day. Wow. And sometimes it takes a period of time. But um, and sometimes they will eat the skin that they came out of. La, 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 la. Too much information. It's gross, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and um, we also look on the milkweed for indication of caterpillars because they eat so much that there's generally the leaves under where they're eating will catch a lot of poop. Yeah. And monarch caterpillar poop is called fraz. F-R-A-S-S. It's not what I call it. What do you call it? Not fraz. <laughs> I wonder if it's Fraz because there's um, it's spelled F R and then A S S and maybe that's where it comes. From. Maybe <laughs> stands for from the. Yeah right. Um, so the caterpillars are pretty amazing. They're just amazing. Um, when I was searching for quotes, one of the quotes said, "Caterpillar has no idea that they're going to turn into a butterfly." Well, who knows? Yeah, but how many it, have they interviewed? <laughs> maybe that's a metaphor for, you know, sometimes in our own lives, we don't know what's about to happen and maybe it's going to be something really spectacular. That's why I find myself eating on myself out of my skin sometimes <laughs> waiting for a good thing to happen. <laughs> waiting for your inner butterfly to yeah, explode. Flutter. <laughs> and then all of a sudden frazz. So a monarch does not have a, ca a cocoon. A cocoon is spun out of silk, like, you know, that um, silkworms or moths. That means I misspoke. Um, they do spin a little silk. If you look at the picture of the chrysalid, that little black stem where it's stuck onto the leaf. I thought that was his left leg. It's not frass. <laughs> That's a little bit of silk, and that attaches them to the leaf. And then oh, the okay. rest is the chrysalid, which is really their skin turned inside out. I also read, and tell me if you believe this, monarch butterflies can see all of the colors plus ultraviolet. What do you think? How does anybody know that? That's what I thought. A, um, a monarch butterfly can lay 250 eggs a day, but oh. they only lay one egg at a time okay. and only one egg per plant. 
Oh. Setting them up for success so that when the when the caterpillar comes out, it has a whole, you know, lifetime's worth of food right there. Sure. Why not? So those monarchs are busy. Thoughtful, too, apparently. And thoughtful. And they can see a lot of colors. Well, so hope they can see the color of the green plant they got to find. <laughs> um. They, well, they smell, what did I tell you on the previous podcast? They taste with their feet, but they smell with their antennas, turns out. Hmm. And then they eat with that little tube-like thing. So, um, anyway, so you started to say that when we saw the chrysalid, the next thing I wanted to find was an egg. I've never seen a monarch egg. Right. I said, if there's this many caterpillars around and there's a chrysalid, there's got to be an egg somewhere. So that's when you and I started turning over milkweed leaves to check the underside. And it wasn't very long, like not even a couple of minutes. And if you go to our next picture. There it is. There the is a monarch egg. Egg. And now that I know there's only one on each plant, it's crazy we found one. We found It's amazing we found one. Because, I mean, this picture is was taken again with our lens called Kevin. That's a macro lens. So it's really close up. How big do you think this egg is? Like one millimeter, two millimeters? Two millimeters, maybe. It wasn't very big. I it's mean, not it's very not, big. yeah, it's not very big at all. So uh, the description, because I looked it up on the internet on my phone to see what we needed to look for. They are kind of white. They may have a little indication of stripes on them, a little bit football shaped, and they're tiny. Yep. And in this picture, you can see every little furry hair on the leaf. I keep zooming in and zooming out. Yeah. It's pretty cool picture. It's, I was so excited. So again, I, we probably took 100 pictures of this little speck. Yeah. yeah. We got a couple of good ones. This one's pretty good, I think. Um, it serves the purpose, that's for sure. Proves that we saw evidence that we saw it. Right. Looking further up the leaf, there's some sparkly spots. It's like moisture. Which there's is, only one per plant, so you wouldn't find any more on here. No, no. What I was going to say is the, the egg is not much bigger than that little speck of moisture. Yeah, it's like a big raindrop. Like a little raindrop even. Uh, anyways. How excited were we? Very. We were very excited. Very excited. But it turns out when you start turning leaves over, and like we talked about earlier, those uh, beetles that yeah. lay their eggs on the other right. side of leaves. What did we find yesterday? You turn some leaves over. Spiders. And that one, you said it was maggots. Oh, yeah. There was a whole patch of little worms and they were... Yeah, it was some kind of deer fly or some kind of, yeah, it was a pack pad. So evidently other other insects lay their eggs under leaves and sometimes they're not as exciting. Yeah, that was a monarchs. patch, probably the size of a silver dollar, you know. It was two just inches crawling, around, with, crawling with, yeah, things you don't want to find under the leaf. So you, be careful what you look for. Yeah, I, well, what I kept thinking about was when you go for a hike and you're walking through tall grass and, you know stuff yep you have no idea what you're not seeing that could be there that's rubbing against exactly. your legs and, uh, yeah yeah that maggoty looking stuff you took a picture of it but i deleted it yeah Sorry. i was like there's nothing there's no good reason to document this it was gross really gross we have to do a, a photo shoot of the deer fly we can do that but until then we'll just not look for it yeah no thanks no i'm not doing a photo shoot but shoot of deer fly i hate them <laughs> yeah they bite you and they buzz around they do. you they just <laughs> annoy you and bite you and and it's deer fly season right now so yep all right so let's go to our next picture which our, is our next couple pictures are about what a hero you are yeah yeah have you got to it yet yeah so this next picture is of um a pretty old monarch butterfly that we found that was tangled up in a spider web. And in this picture, if you get a chance to look at it, you can see the spider web 
and you can see this monarch and you can tell it's pretty old. His wings are really starting to be frayed on the ends. His color is fading away. He probably wasn't long for this world anyways, but he was really tangled up in this spider web. And we thought he was dead, but then he made a few moves, right? Yeah, I thought he was dead for sure. And then when we got close to him, uh, yeah, he was twitching around. and He was struggling. Trying to get out of that. Uh, stupid spider web so i helped him out yeah so bill got out of the car and helped got the butterfly out of the spider web and then you even like pulled spider web off of his wings so yep he flapped around a little bit and he flew away i thought he would just fall to the ground because he's not in good shape right but he did he flew off and while we were in that little area looking for more caterpillars and whatnot he flew around us quite a bit yep so he was still strong enough to fly and live out its life he just fallen into the triangle of spider he yeah he was i'm trying to see if there's any indication if it's a male or a female but i guess from this uh probably upside down you're never upside gonna be down able to position tell. i can't tell yeah. so in the picture he is he's upside down in this spider web it in spite of it being a sad situation the colors there's a beautiful blue sky in the background and the blurred green foliage yeah. Some thistle blossoms. This is a pretty picture. Anyway, so I was I was proud of you saving that monarch. Later on in the day, we saw a monarch that looked so much similar to this one, frayed and faded and looking really old. And there was a healthy looking monarch that was carrying it around. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> oh, that's nice of you to carry him around. I thought, oh, how sweet that is that the the healthy monarch is helping out the old one, but you no, informed me. That they were doing the nasty. That was probably not what was going on. Yeah. He's an old guy. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the next rescue. So the next one is the picture of a baby blue jay that was here at Park of the Pines. So we had a friend stop by the park to have a visit. Someone we haven't seen since COVID started. Right. And um, we took lawn chairs and we went and sat down by the, by the lake. And um, she brought some fresh um, chocolate croissants from the local bakery. And we sat at the, at the water and had a nice visit. Uh, Bill came down a little after we got set up. And he said, there's a, a baby blue jay over by the hill. You should go look at it. And I said, well, I think we should just leave it alone. <laughs> so we sat and visited for what, an hour, an hour and a half? I hate to even say. Yeah. Well, it was early in the morning. Right. And uh, after our friend left, we decided to go check out this um, Blue Jay, see if it was still there. And sure enough, it was still there. Um, so we went and got a camera to take some, some pictures of it. He wasn't really too happy that we were there. But if you look closely at this picture, I hope you can um, blow it up a little bit because the reason the little baby was, I mean, he's a baby, but he's not like a baby that couldn't fly. His feathers are all looking good. Yeah, he was, I mean, he, he, he was a juvenile. He was not in the, like hanging out in the nest anymore. Or anything. Right. He was hopping around on the ground. But it turns out that he had somehow got himself tangled in some tall grass. And in his panic, um, in, you know, trying to leap away and twist around, he'd managed to twist this tall grass into a rope, really. And it was tangled around both of his legs. Um, so if you can, if you can zoom in on this picture... If you look at, start at his eyeball and then look across his forehead, you can see that ropey grass. Yep. Is that how you would describe where to look, Bill? Yeah, it's like it. On the right-hand side. On the right-hand side, maybe up, a, yeah. But he just, that grass was just twisted around. And so you went and got a pair of gloves mm -hmm. and you picked him up from behind. And I started to pull that grass away from his legs. I wanted to be very gentle. But man, when you take grass, I don't know how many pieces of grass there was there and twist it around into a rope. It's all of the sudden pretty strong. He had got not only one leg, but both legs were twisted into this rope. So yeah. he had 
basically hogtied himself. Right. So I kind of had to like break each little piece of grass close to his legs and then pull each piece out from its tangle one by one. And then we, um, we set him down on the ground thinking he would just take right off and he didn't. Right. He just kind of laid there frozen. I was worried we'd killed him. Yeah. I thought maybe he was stunned or I yeah, didn't well, know he whether he was, was in shock too much and he was, he was just definitely gonna... stunned. Yeah. I was worried that he'd been there. So like we knew how long he'd been there at least. Well, and who knows how long he'd been there before we came right. upon him or I came upon So him. I sent you off to find some water, like a little shallow dish that we could put some water in. Maybe he needed water. But while you were gone, he laid there perfectly still for probably three minutes. And then all of a sudden he lifted his head up and shook himself off and then hopped his way up to the top of the hill and away he went. So, yay. Yep. He was on his way. On his way. The whole time we were working on him, though, the Blue Jay family was, it was right there. Yeah. It was hovering around us. It was. Um, they were they were not going to abandon him. That's for sure. Right, right. No, he was uh, he was um, being protected by his parents. That's for sure. Yeah, so that was good to see. Yeah. So let's go to our. Looks like this is our last picture. This is our last picture, and this one makes you very happy, right? Yeah, this is a picture of me sitting on our brand new lawnmower that we got here at the Park of the Pines a couple of days ago. So for, for as long as we've been the campground managers at Park of the Pines, you have mowed the 27 acres with um, a belly mower on our Kubota, tra- Kubota tractor. And it has given us nothing but trouble. Yeah. Um, our, our grounds here are rustic, pretty rustic. We don't have any, you know, perfectly manicured, groomed lawns that are perfectly loamed and without tree roots and rocks and the occasional rock. So, um, and the tractor is, I don't know, you said it just kind of beats you up, eh? Yeah. It's a terrible, it's a terrible lawnmower. It's a good tractor. It it overheats. It's a good tractor, but it's not a good lawnmower. It's not meant to mow grass. And so this is a huge improvement for us and I'm looking forward to this is a John Deere zero turn mower with a nice cushiony seat. And yeah, you were anticipating getting this for a long time. Well, first of all, you, it was a dream. <laughs> it was yeah, a, it was a pipe dream. This will never happen, but wouldn't it be nice to have here? Yeah, wouldn't it make, you know, what would take three days for us to mow all of the property? Now can you can do in a day or, you know. Probably a day, yeah, instead of the three it normally takes. Yeah, yeah. and so much more efficiently and more comfortably. So yeah. that's the exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing the last two weeks. Um, We promised also season two, we would end every podcast with an inspirational feel-good story. So what do you got this week, Bill? Well, you asked me to find something and I actually went looking a little bit and I kind of, I came across this kind of cool little story about um, three boys from Iowa. Um, This story was actually... Um, in the Washington Post and the story says brothers Cole and Blake ages 10 and 8 were on their bikes headed to go fishing last month when they saw something awful down the road in their northern Iowa home or from their northern Iowa home they found a bunch of dead baby turtles flattened by cars on the thoroughfare between two uh, little wetlands near their home. This is supposed to be a feel-good story. This is, it gets better. Hold okay. on, hang on. <laughs> the boys said they were squashed. Their shells were broken. And um, we live in the little town of Ventura. Um, and we felt really sad for all of those turtles. The two boys climbed off their bikes and began helping the other small turtles who were slowly, very slowly, crossing from one side of the road to the other, looking for new nesting spots. We we picked one up in each hand, they said, and helped them get across the road. Um, And then they ended up spending the whole day doing that. 
um, pretty soon the um, the brothers were joined by three other friends of theirs, um, and they spent the whole rest of that day, and they continued to spend at least one to two hours, sometimes even more time, every day during the summer, helping the uh, what they call the Western Painted Turtle cross from one marsh to the lake. Um, they uh, worked back and forth, and their parents helped them out a little bit, and uh, they got a sign made for the turtle crossing. <laughs> so the, the, uh, the sign uh, is on both sides of the road as you go through that area now for people to slow down and uh, watch out for the turtles crossing the road. And uh, the writer of the story said, it makes me feel good uh, and hopeful for the future that um, this young generation uh, is actually thinking about more than themselves so um it sounds like you need to meet those boys because you're part of the rescue crew you rescued a monarch and a blue jay yeah and we've rescued turtles before too we have rescued turtles before yeah that's cool i i i happened on something on the internet that said um it was an article about what the benefits of helping animals are for humans and it said that when you help an animal it releases three different chemicals in your brain. Okay. Uh, cortisol, dopamine, and there was another one, which I'm not going to remember, but they're all feel good hormones. So doing good makes you feel good. There you That's go. cool. That was a cool story. So thanks, Bill. We're yeah. at the end of the podcast. So thanks for listening. We'll see. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Yeah. Thanks for listening in. Hope you have a great day and see you soon. And stop for turtles. Watch out for those turtles.